The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Up against the wall. Can't explain what I'm feeling right now, guys. Let's open up that rainbow. Oh, I can't believe USC has escaped the Groundhog Day existence and has ended the Helton era. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio, episode 416, coming to you on Tuesday, September 14th. This is the Fallout episode looking back at USC's... Wait, wait, hold on. Hold on. Uh, this is the Fallout episode looking back at Mike Bone firing Clay Helton. Who'd have thunk? Yeah. Wow. 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 Uh, yeah, we're going to get into your calls, your emails, your voicemails, your text messages, your tweets... Uh, talking about USC making a change at the head coach uh, position and giving Alicia her first correct prediction of the season, the midseason firing. As always, you can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast. Wherever you can find a podcast, we are there. Our email address is reignoftroyatfansetta.com and our phone number is is 213-373-1USC, second What's Bruin Show. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host here in the Rain of Troy studio in Los Angeles, Alicia Daratola. Hello, everybody. Hello, this is take two. Take two of episode 416. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, we recorded a Stanford Fallout episode, all hour of it. And then right at, at the end, I think we were answering the last question or the I, second I to last question. it was the question. second to last question in the mailbag. And then it happened. And then all hell broke loose. Yeah. And yeah. as you are listening to this on the podcast catcher of choice that you have, uh, go listen to us reacting to the news that USC fired Clay Holt. Because that was at the end of the episode that we were recording, uh, which is uh, no longer with us. So... Uh, shout out to the episode uh, that was the Stanford Fallout episode because that episode is what they call no longer relevant. Well, there's that Marvel uh, meme from 
Infinity War or from whatever, which one, whichever one of those movies it was, where like Thanos is asked, you know, is ever, you know, the the meme did Thanos Clint is that the Superman one? Oh my god. Uh, the, the did every did, did Clay Helton get fired? And the answer is yes. And but at what cost? The Stanford Fallout episode. Yeah. Uh, if you called into the rant line, if you dialed into the uh, or voicemail and asked us a question, shot us an email, any of those things, we appreciate it. You were heard. Trust me, you were heard. Uh, we read your emails, we listened to your voicemails, uh, we answered your tweets, um, but... But then, but then Mike Bone walked in on Monday afternoon and said, hello. Yeah, and then the landscape changed, uh, and just like that, everything changed. But, uh, before we get into this episode, talking about, uh, USC moving on from Clay Helton, uh, let's get to, uh, some new... Apple Podcasts uh, reviews that we got, um, because, Alicia, we got a, a review last week that people did not like, apparently, because we got a bunch of reviews referencing that review. First one comes from Defunk1991. Uh, it's five stars. This is Alicia. You need to go to the Rose Bowl. I like, love this podcast. LOL. Been listening since the beginning. Five stars all day. Oh, thank you, and uh, and yeah, I I want people to like slash love this podcast, and we love getting the feedback on on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, we like love you guys giving us five star reviews. Next one comes from Michael in San Francisco. Great name, by the way. It says like a five star podcast. I've always thought you guys were a five star podcast, but I never gave a review. But this is a response to the one star like review you guys received. Congrats on the engagement, by the way. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, next one. Uh, it says like, and it's five stars, and then it says like again. Uh, that is from J12759248, which I swear is not an account that we paid from like a Bangladesh <laughs> Uh Yeah, that's a, that's a, a generated uh, account name if I ever saw one. But hey, people, people. Uh, it can be real while also having just numbers at the end of their account. Maybe those numbers are significant. Maybe there's some sort of like password. So I yeah. hope it's not the password. I mean, it could be the password. Don't put your password in, could, in your username. Be. Don't do that. My password is Penguin of Troy. Don't, don't tell people. Oh, oops, my bad. Yikes. Tell me for later, but not <laughs> there. Jeez. Uh, next one, appropriate use of the word like. This comes from the King of Portland. A previous reviewer gave a poor rating because Alicia's use of the word like. This is absurd. She and Michael provide brilliant insights and a warm, inviting conversation, which means they use the word like sometimes. It's normal. I sort of hope that previous reviewer gets a wicked case of diarrhea. I will continue listening to this podcast for as long as it exists. It is fantastic. Fight on forever. Aw, thank you. And, I mean, that's high praise coming from actual royalty, so... Yeah, the king of know, Portland. That might be the, the first royal that we've had so, that's, that gives us a, a review. Are we thinking Portland, Oregon, or Portland, Maine? Oh, Portland, Oregon? Why can't it be Portland, Maine? Because Portland is Portland. Portlandia. 
There's still a Portland, Maine. Okay, well then you need to send in and, and clarify, are you the king of Portland, Maine, or are you the king of Portland, Oregon? There's a reason Notre Dame plays in South Bend. Because if they just played in Bend, They'd be Indiana, playing in Oregon. Yeah, they'd be playing in Oregon. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get into the news, shall we? All right, Alicia. When we first recorded this episode... What could we ever talk about? We right talked now? about things in the news like... Oh, there's the Nick Figueroa injury, in which he was day-to-day because he had a shoulder injury, uh, suffered in the San Jose State game, and was pulled in the middle of the Stanford game, and he's day-to-day, and Clay Helton's had to look for uh, an update later in the week. They're going to check him out and see if he can play for Washington State. Then we talked about Corey Foreman, who has a leg injury, and that's what limited him to a rush-only role uh, on Saturday against Stanford, and that's pretty much the only thing that we thought was worth talking about from Clay Helton's uh, press conference on Sunday night. But here we are. Uh, It is Monday night when we record this. You're probably listening to this on a Tuesday. And the only thing we have to talk about today is Mike Bone has made the decision, pulled the plug. Who? Mike Bone! He has pulled the plug, made the decision. Done the deed, did the thing everyone has been calling for on Twitter, on a message board near you, on the rant line, everywhere. And he announced that USC would no longer be coached by Clay Helton. The Trojans are moving on, and interim head coach Dante Williams is taking over. Yeah, and I mean, just to bring it back to that Sunday night conference call... I think we all assumed when Clay Helton was present for that Sunday night conference call that the deed was not going to happen, right? Like, I think that was a fair assumption that, yeah, th- when, that we're going to have to wait. And We didn't hear anything by like 10 a.m. On, on Sunday. It was basically, you know. It was basically, you just sort of figure, okay, all systems go. Yeah. So I, I, I don't think anyone was expecting this on, on Monday. There was no inkling of it on Monday. No one broke the news on Monday. Uh, the, the closest thing to breaking the news that I saw was uh, Lindsay Theory tweeting simultaneously to Mike Bone that she had heard from sources that, that Clay Hilton was fired. So like, A, USC kept it under wraps, and B, it was just, it came out of nowhere, and it was very much a... Uh, a decision that I think listening to Mike Bones' appearance on Trojan Live on Monday night was very much influenced by the Coliseum, the kind of stuff that we talked about on Saturday night, the kind of stuff that Bill Plaschke talked about on Sunday and and a lot of other people were talking about just like you don't want to have the next USC home game be utterly toxic. And listening to Mike Bone on Trojans Live I think that that is absolutely what the decision came down to. He spent a lot of time talking about the environment at the Coliseum and how they really want it to be. They talked about turning the lights off and how awesome that was. You were tweeting about that. It was great. They talked about really wanting to fill the stadium and have it be rocking. And they talked about the Coliseum. Dante Williams uh, appeared on Trojan Live and talked about how the energy ahead of the game was so was so electric that. The student section was was off the off the charts and everything like that. And basically, it, it sounds like they don't want a repeat of what happened in the second half of the Stanford game where or at halftime too, where there's booze and it's just not good. He specifically talked about recruiting and being able to show 
recruits what um, the fan, you know, show a supportive fan base and show uh, what they can expect to to experience there. And that is actually that is very true. If USC was hosting recruits during that Stanford game, that would not have been a good experience for them. It could be detrimental to the to the long term future of the program to have recruits experiencing that kind of thing at the Coliseum anymore. So I thought that was one of the very interesting things about Mike Bone's decision that that seems to have set it apart. They could have waited until the bye week. The fact that they didn't tells you that they are paying attention to the tenor of of the fan base and the, just the the general um you know the the general feel around the program. And I I love that in his statement he referenced that they had heightened expectations because they'd put in more uh, more support for the program. So the the leash was short and I, and it yeah. it's comforting to know that they followed through on that. Yeah, I can understand why fans were frustrated um to feel that the administration didn't care or the athletic department didn't care. Uh we had, ta- all- we had talked about it before. I think you can well, okay. all along, we had not heard, like, the idea that they didn't care about football, that is not what we had heard at least about th- At least from Mike the athletic Bone. department, yeah. surely. Yeah. yeah, Mike Bone seemed to very much care. Yeah, he called BS on all that yeah. by making this happen, um, and by, um, you know, putting together the, everything he said to, on Trojans Live. Obviously, those are all words, it's the actions that matter, and the action is getting rid of Clay Helton in the manner that he did at a moment in which he didn't have to do it. He didn't have to do it after week two. I know people were wanting it after week two um, because of everything that we've seen before. And even I was saying it was unrealistic. Yeah, I, I think it was unrealistic. I I can't imagine another scenario in which anyone gets fired after week two, but when someone like, like Clay Helton has escaped uh, a a firing after 2018 and 2019 i guess you could argue after 2022 like those are those things all add up and after an embarrassing loss where you have all the booze like that uh, it's the first time with fans at the coliseum in almost two years uh, it's bad for business it's bad for a million different things it it makes i i understand why you would think that there would be urgency and bone absolutely took that urgency to heart, and did the thing. So here we are. We talked about it in the car cast. I said, if this happens, what changes? Because I was skeptical that things would actually change in the sense of, well, okay, Clay Helton's no longer around, but like the year is kind of still shot, right? Well, here you are. Clay Helton has been, been fired. How do you feel now? Do you feel more or less optimistic about the season and more or less engaged about the season. I think I feel more optimistic about the season because a a weight has been lifted and I don't have to worry anymore. So if things go poorly for Dante Williams, it doesn't matter because there will be a new head coach anyways. And if things go well for Dante Williams, we can all just enjoy the ride. And I can trust that if he is given the head coaching job, which I, I think is still unlikely and probably not advisable if he gets it it's because he's absolutely earned it more likely than not and at least he'll be someone different so i guess there's like there's a light at the end of the tunnel either way Uh, but but really i think you're right to say 
you can't say anything's going to change. Even Dante Williams in that Trojans Live interview said, you know, there, we can't really change the way we do things, really. Like, we can't really go into practice and do practice totally different. The, the, the word he used was we need to enhance everything that we do. And so he's just going to emphasize the, the little things and, and try to get more out of this team than, than Clay Helton was able to do. And sometimes just having a different voice can do that. Sometimes somebody being holding different standards. We know that Dante Williams is, is uh, as an assistant coach, was able to hold his unit to whatever standard that he desired. But now he gets to hold the entire team to that standard. If that's going to make a difference, I don't know. Right. Um, and, and, and also the other thing is he's a defensive coach. So the way I see it, Graham Harrell, this is his time to give himself a, a job interview for whatever else comes down the line for him because now he gets everything that happens from here on out with USC's offense, he owns. You don't get to look at Clay Helton and accuse him of meddling. You don't get to look at Clay Helton and accuse him of of uh, asking Graham Harrell to do anything he doesn't want to do. You don't get to, to do any of that stuff. What happens from here on out is exactly what Graham Harrell desires for this offense. So. Yeah. I don't know that that will be better, but it will be potentially different. And if it's not different, then that's your answer on Graham Harrell. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that because I've always kind of called BS on some of the things where people are like, well, I don't like this. So then it must be Clay Elton's doing, which I've, I've never bought into the reasoning about that. I mean, we've seen that's it with very everything. convenient for yeah, people to say. Yeah, like like the things that people like that like, oh, well, that's. I like this thing, so that's this individual person that did that, but I don't like that thing, and it's Clay Helton that did that one. And that's usually how the narratives go, um, and I understand that some of that's, all that is emotional and all those things, so I, I get it, but now we're going to be able to sort of put that to the test. Um, although, uh, like you said, the systems are already built in place, so it's not like you can completely... If... If, 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 and this is one of the points that we talked about in, in the, the last episode, was the, the running game um, and how, you know, the, we, we got a really great call that I wish we could we can go back and play again uh, about how SC has this, this air raid attack, but they're not actually using the air raid system with four and five wide sets. They're trying to use 12 personnel. They're running the ball, uh, you know in a way that, that suggests that it's not the air raid. And we, we talked about, yeah, well, they they want to do the air raid, but it's not really the air raid because of all this other stuff. Well, some of that stuff is already built in. And so if Graham Harrell is truly Mr. Air Raid and Clay Halton was forcing the, like, 12 personnel on him thing, don't expect that to just, like, completely go away because some of that stuff is just built into the playbook and built in the game plan already. It's going to be a matter of seeing what those little tweaks are that can affect the game plans from here on out. Well, that's the the game plans are going to be where you're going to experience potentially most the biggest tweaks because the game plans are not being set by Clay Hilton anymore. The game plans are being set by the brain trust that is But but, but that's if they change. That, that's Well, the yeah, that's my point. If they stay yeah. the same, then you know the staff was the problem. You know, the entire staff owns everything from the get-go. If, if, they, if they get tweaked a little bit, then 
you know that maybe somebody else, I mean, and this has always been my argument about Clay Hilton, the, the thing that I thought was holding him back as a head coach was he was never an elite offensive coordinator. He was never an elite football mind. And so if you were putting together a game plan and he was at the core of it, then I don't know that Clay Hilton was capable of understanding what a great game plan, game plan looked like. He came out after the Stanford game and said they thought they had a great game plan. And it was like, well, obviously you didn't because it didn't work. Uh, so, you know, those those kinds of things, that can be the thing that you change where maybe Dante Williams is better suited to oversee an offensive game plan than uh, than, than Clay Hilton was. I, I don't know. Who knows? We're about to find out. Maybe he's going to be worse at it. Maybe USC is going to absolutely fall apart and it's going to be a real long season where you're counting down the days until a new coach gets, gets uh, installed. But it will be slightly different, perhaps, and it's going to be very telling one one way or another. And that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, and and for SC, at least or for a lot of fans, it's going to be a kind of like a B12 shot to give some, some boost back into the season. We've seen it plenty. We got a bunch of rant line calls. You guys were fired up about Mike Bone making the decision about Clay Helton. So here's what you guys had to say after dialing in the Rantroy rant line. Mike and Alicia, all the rock boss out there, top Trojan fan calling from North Carolina. Hey, Rainy Troy, this is Jackson in Virginia. Hey there, my name's Jerry, calling from Austin, Texas. This is Aaron from Houston. Trini from the West Side. Hey, my name is Xavier. Yeah, this is Tony from Genoa, PA. John, I'm actually calling from uh, Austin, Texas. Hey, Rainy Troy, it's Sam from Frisco, Texas. It's finally time to give our first rave line of the season. Alicia, the burden's been lifted. The news just broke. Helton's gone, baby. Helton's finally gone. Woo! Yes! We actually finally pulled the trigger and got rid of help. This is definitely going to be a rave line. I'm freaking pumped, man. Let's go. Ding dong, the witch is dead. Can it be true? Is this real life? Yes. Yes, yes, finally. They did it. They did it. They finally did it. About damn time. My God, what a day. Been waiting for this for a while. Feels like Christmas morning. We are done with this exercise in mediocrity. Our purgatory is over, baby. Let's go. Woo! Longtime fan here. Just wanted to say season tickets coming back home, baby. We care about athletics. We care about the football team. We care about freaking winning, man. We care about the direction of the university and the impact it has on everything. Rave line, rave line, rave line. Hey, guys. Jeff Nielsen, Copenhagen. Just woke up 3 o'clock in the morning here and uh, saw this news. I could not be happier. I think this, in my mind, ranks up there with, like, when the Japanese surrendered at the end of World War II or, or perhaps when when we killed Bin Laden. And today is the day we turn the freaking tide. Clay Helton got the axe, my friend. I hate the man had to lose his job, but we all know he should have lost it about four years ago. You know, every year we've had the talent to be at least the top 10, maybe top five team in the nation. The, t the kinds of games that we lost, we were losing in the same bad ways and has never taken any blame for any issues with the team other than saying that the team 
had a great game plan. We did this. We did that. We were we were starstruck. We were awestruck. Whatever you want to say. I gotta tell you, this is perfect timing. We add up all the pros, all the cons. It, it is such a good move to get rid of him now because now you can use the rest of the season to get a head jump on the coaching search. Every loss that we have this season, we can just throw the blame back on Helton. Every win will feel like, see, this is what we were needing. To me, it was long overdue, but I'm happy they made the decision, even if it's midseason. I'm just excited, you know, for the players and, and for the fans, man. Like, I can't wait to see what this means for USC football. Uh, at least this opens us up and gets our recruits back on track to getting some better recruits. Now it's uh, time to put someone else at the helm and see what we can accomplish. Let's turn the season around under coach. Dante Williams. Man, I like the sound of that. You know, Dante Williams, great recruiter. Kids love him. We should try to keep him on, not as the head coach. We need a rock star. Bring on somebody that knows what the identity of the program is, what the history and tradition of USC football really is, and hopefully, hopefully, we can get back to where most of us are accustomed to seeing our USC Trojans. Now, let's go out and get Luke Fickle and turn this program back into what it should be. I have full faith in Mike Bone to make the right choice moving forward. It just took him a while to get there because of all the financial restraints and everything behind the scenes that we didn't know about, kind of knew about, but really didn't know the real details of. He finally made the decision. I am so excited. I've had chills. I couldn't be, I can't stop rejoicing. This has been one of the greatest days. And for you, Clay Helms, I got one thing to sing to you, baby. Na, 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 na. Hey, hey, Clay, goodbye. Na, 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 na. Hey, hey, Clay, goodbye. Fight on forever, baby. Fight on the victory. Let's go. And help guess what, baby? Fight out because you're out of here. Fight the F on. Fight on from Lincoln, Nebraska. Fight on. Fight out. Fight on. Fight on, USC. Fight on. Fight on. Fight on. Okay, Alicia, I lied. That was a full-blown rave line. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's so fun listening to people be really happy. And I don't want to be the person who, like, does that stupid thing where it's like, someone just got fired and I feel really bad for his family. Like, yes, I get that. But also, Clay Hilton's about to make $10-plus million in a buyout, so... He's going to be fine. His family's going to be fine. Yeah, por que no los dos. We can feel bad for Clay Helton having his dreams crushed. We can feel bad for the players losing a a very important figure in their lives. Obviously, the outpouring of support for Clay Helton has been intense on Twitter from from players past and present uh, who really, really genuinely loved him. And you have to respect that love they had for him. But as fans, today, Monday, was a giant relief i put out on twitter that the 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 gif from the shawshank redemption uh where uh where andy is out in the rain just just don't, free don't spoil it Spo- i haven't seen uh, it you haven't seen the shawshank redemption no wait for real for real oh my god really i'm serious okay then that's our next movie night like legitimately that's the next movie night it's happening okay you, no 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 it's an amazing movie it's amazing uh, but either way, it's it's him out and it's freedom. And it just felt like that kind of moment. And that's what you hear in the rant line there is just the relief of everyone knowing that, like, it's it's over. It's done. We don't have to 
it doesn't mean that the next head coach is going to be an unbridled success. It, you know, the next head coach could be an utter disaster, but it'll be a different disaster. And that it like after six years of this, I that is the number one thing I needed. Uh, I I'm I was so relieved. Clearly, the the robots were relieved. Everyone on Twitter was relieved. It's just been a long, long ride. And you can just feel that palpable like excitement that has been missing for a long time now. Yeah, and by the way, shout out to whoever called in and was oh my gosh. singing along to Queens, and, I Want to Break Free. Oh, that that moment. and the fu- Didn't make the rant line, but uh, you were very much appreciated. So, a backstory on that one. Uh, we stopped recording, and I'm in the middle of writing Fallout from this for fansided.com, and suddenly I hear you pull, you, you're starting to go through the rant line calls, and I hear you pull that up and like it just you hear the the beat come in. It's like, I want to break free. And I just busted up laughing like I it just it destroyed me. It was so good. Uh, the robots are so good, man. It's uh, it's just one of those things where when everybody's happy, everybody's happy. It's great, 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 great to be a part of. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about this a little bit more in terms of what we expect moving forward. We are going to be asked a million times, so we're going to just get straight to it. What should USC look for in a new coach? We have come up with the criteria. Here we go. There are four bullets that we've put together. These are four main ideas. Uh, They are not the be-all and end-all, but four pillars. Head coaching experience. Modern schematics. The ability to recruit the West Coast at a high level. And high value on the coaching market. In other words, you, you the things that you need to look for is someone who's done this before, someone who is ahead of the game in the X's and O's, someone who can recruit at you know at put the a, USC expect, expectation level. Yeah, and, own LA, and like our friend Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com always talks about. Someone another school wants. Yeah. And so those Preferably are the, a lot of other schools. Yeah. Those are the four pillars that we're putting together. And and we're just saying those are the four. You probably say you check, need, you need check, at least three of check those. three of those four boxes and you're probably a good hire. Uh, so if you don't have head coaching experience, then bring modern schematics to the table. Bring recruiting to the table. You need to get and, everything else. And be be uh, be somebody that other people want. Let's say that Joe Brady. Joe Brady or Tony Elliott. Brent from, Venables. Brent, yeah. Yes, one of those guys who no head coaching experience, but they are at the top of the game in terms of the schematics. They have recruiting cachet and everybody else wants them. Yeah. The one thing that, you know, head coaching experience, ideally, you want someone with head coaching experience. In a perfect world, you go out and hire someone who's done this before. You go out and you get Mike Stoops. Uh, sorry, not Mike Stoops. Bob Stoops. Yeah. You go out and you get Bob Stoops. You go out and get Nick Saban. Who Bob Stoops would only check three of those four boxes too. He's been out of the game too long. He doesn't have modern schematics. Yeah, I'm going to push back on that one, pal. I mean, I'm just saying. He, he might not have modern schematics himself. He will get you the well, modern schematics. Okay, but that's... He has to prove that, that then his his hires... He immediately can go yeah. out and, and, and get Bell Beaton Bow. 
Bill, Bill, Bill Biedenbow. Biedenbow. Yes. Yes. The, the, oh the my best God. offensive would, line coach in the country. Would that not be just the most beautiful thing to happen? Just saying. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he could make the hires that make sure that you in, yes. ensure you got all those things. Yes. But anyways, the point is. I mean, is, I, might, I might add a fifth column there, which is a Rolodex. Sure. Just, you know, connections to be able to. I, I'm less scared about getting together a good staff because Mike Bone is committed, I think, to giving the resources that it takes to get those kinds of people in. Yeah. But uh, but that would be another thing that, that, that you know, attract talent. Yeah. And, and so the way I look at it, you, you want head coaching experience, 100%. You want to go out and you want to get uh, PJ Fleck. You want to go out and you want to get uh, Matt Campbell. You want to get uh, Luke Fickle. Those guys are the hot commodities as head coaching prospects coming up. But there's a limited number of guys who have actually done the thing before. There's only so many Urban Myers. There's only so many Nick Sabans. And those guys are borderline impossible to get. You're never going to get Nick Saban. No matter how much USC thinks of itself, you're never going to get Nick Saban. Sorry, it's not happening. Uh, Urban Myers in the NFL with the Jaguars. Probably and, USC, not and USC might not touch him anyways. Yeah, and you, you put everything else together. Like, it's hard to get those guys. So because of that, even though I, I 100% would, in, in a perfect world, say that you need someone with head coaching experience, I don't think it's the be-all and end-all when you consider, and again, this is a key caveat to this argument, when you consider all of the other things and when you look back at the history of the last 20, 25, 30 years of coaches, look at every coach that has won a national title. How many of those coaches were a head coach somewhere else before they were in that job? Not as many as them as you It's would like think. barely any. Yeah. It's mostly elite coordinators. Nick Saban and Urban Meyer and uh, I guess Gene Chizik was, was at uh, Iowa State, failed at, at Iowa State. Um, I guess Ed Ogeron counts, um, even with terrible experience at Ole Miss. Like, but the, the list is full of guys like Bob Stoops. The list is, uh, is full of guys who were elite coordinators, uh, Jimbo Fisher, who were elite coordinators who became something. So there's two paths to go down. You either go get the hot commodity guy, you're, you're Matt Campbell, you're Luke Fickle, or you go out and you get your elite coordinator. Those are the two ways in which you typically go out and build your your new powerhouse. And none of those are guaranteed successes. You have no. to accept that this sure. every every hire that you make is going to be a gamble, and yeah. you just want to make sure that you're making the best bet you can possibly make. Right, and that's why you hire the elite coordinator and not just the so-so coordinator. That's why. That's right. why you know. When you miss on Cliff Kingsbury, you don't go for Graham Harrell in this scenario. If you miss on your first choice, you go for a significantly other choice, not just a light. Yeah, you you look at Texas and you look at the hires Texas has had in the last decade. Charlie Strong was a good hire. Yeah, Tom Herman was a good hire. Both of those guys went to big bowls. They took... They took Louisville and Houston to big bowls, respectively, and they won those bowl games over big teams. Mm-hmm. Impressively. 
And yet they both went to Texas and fell flat on their face. Yeah. So nothing is guaranteed. No. Uh, surely not. Um, but you put yourself in the best position to succeed when you go out and get someone who is an elite coordinator or who checks all of these boxes. Uh, an elite coordinator or a head coach with plenty of experience and has shown that they've done it either at a lower level or at a, at a lower level to the maximum degree. Somebody like yeah. Matt Campbell. Well, Matt and, Campbell were, and, um, and, and Luke Fickle. Where they've taken a, a lower level program and made them into something. And even yeah. though Matt Campbell, it, like it looks to me like Matt Campbell keeps hitting his ceiling at Iowa State. So you question, well, if he came to USC, what could he do with more talent? Um, Kyle Whittingham probably is a, is a lesser degree of that kind of guy, too where we've seen what he can do with the Utah talent, what could he do with the USC talent? Um, the, the the guy who's a little bit different there is the Luke Fickle. Luke Fickle is basically Urban Meyer at Utah. Uh, um, mm, no, I... Do you get what I mean? Where I don't know that there's a comparable for Luke Fickle. Well, but he's... Well, okay, you know because he had the, the Ohio Luke, State experience, but... Luke Fickle is Ed Ogeron. If he wouldn't have gone to LSU... And instead went to a G five and proved himself. Okay, because but the Luke, but the hard, the, but the was, important bit there is it was that, an interim coach at, at Ohio State and uh, on that Luke staff. Fickle but is, I don't think he was. I don't think he was turning heads as a as a head coaching prospect. And then he went to Cincinnati, and then all of a sudden it's like actually this dude is pretty good. Yeah, well, and and he's and he's been very successful at Cincinnati. He's done an exceptional job there. And it's time for him to take the next step. And that next step might right. be USC or it might be the Big 12. Either one. Right. One of, it's one time. of the two. One yes. of the two. We'll, we'll see how that comes together. Uh, other things to talk about here are the candidate lists that have been put out by the national media. Uh, Pat Thamel says James Franklin Pete, met. Pete Thamel? Pat. The, what did I say? You said Pat Thamel. Like, I don't know what, what I was thinking. No, Pete, Pete Thamel. <laughs> Um, James Franklin, Matt Campbell, Bill O'Brien, Luke Fickle, PJ Fleck, Mario Cristobal, Greg Schiano, Tony Ele- Elliott, Chris Peterson, and Bob Stoops. I can confirm those are all names. Those are definitely all names. <laughs> those are all names. I think that Greg Schiano doesn't make a lot of sense for USC. I think that Mario Cristobal, uh, there's a, a snowball's chance in hell of him trading Oregon you know for USC at this like point. You know that list feels like to me? That list feels like someone putting together a list for any generic big school, okay, but one that isn't necessarily targeted for okay. what makes sense. At okay, USC. but let's talk about the list that Bruce Feldman puts out: Mario Cristobal, Luke Fickle, Matt Campbell, James El- James Franklin, and Tony Elliott. It's the same list, just shorter. It is Den- shorter. Dennis but- Dodd's list: Luke Fickle, Bob Stoops, Matt Campbell, right. James Franklin, Mario Cristobal, Chris Peterson, Kyle Whittingham, Urban Meyer. It's all the same list. Everyone is throwing the same names out there. Right. I- I'm talking about Greg Schiano. Yeah, Greg Schiano doesn't make sense. Bill O'Brien. Yeah. Makes sense. And only even be- PJ Fleck. I yeah. can't see PJ Fleck being here either. I think PJ Fleck is a tier two candidate. If if you get turned down by the guys you really want, you you look at PJ Fleck. Um. So what? But I what I find interesting is that these are all they're all the same names, and they all come with. It's it's interesting because I don't like all of them. Mario Cristobal again. It's not that I don't like him. I there's not a chance he's leaving Oregon at this stage. He's he's I can't see he's why worked, you would. He's worked too hard to build that. He's recruited that program so well. He's worked too hard to build that program up. Now I think if you could get him, 
absolutely oh, go oh, get him. That is the if you could if you can pull Mario Cristobal out of organ, you are weakening organ and strengthening yourself. That would be yes, a home go, run go of all it. home but, run higher. But you're not going to get him. It's just not going to happen. He's going to get a raise at organ over this. Um, James Franklin, I have been on the record for a long time. James Franklin lost to Clay Helton. James Franklin uh, has been Clay Helton 2.0 at Penn State in the in in the uh, in the Big Ten, as for, far as I'm for concerned, the longest time he had that record against what was it ranked teams or road teams that he was like winless forever. Yeah, against he's those? just I just don't find him to be impressive. He has a huge buyout. He is not impressive enough to justify paying the buyout it would take to bring him to USC. Uh, but his name is always involved there, so not big on either of those candidates. I also don't know why he would leave Penn State. I mean, unless he really wanted, he's he's linked to every job though, so there must yes. be something going on there that says that he's. It's called he's, a good he's, agent. He's well, yes, that's true too. Um, Matt Campbell, he's turned down a lot. So is USC the the program that he wants to to move from Iowa State? I I don't I'm I don't know. Really curious. I don't know enough about Matt Campbell, but I'd be really curious if you got his ear. And you could just ask him, like, give him some truth serum. All right, dude, what's your end game? I'd love to know. I'd love to know what well, it is. Okay, might his end game be the Kyle Whittingham or the, um, why am I forgetting the Oregon State head coach, longtime Oregon State head coach? Mike Riley? Mike Riley, like. So he's going to coach the Chargers? No, in in the sense that like you you've got you you found your way at Oregon State, you're comfortable there, you're oh, by overachieving the way, there. If Mike Riley is on your list, please just Im- immediately delete yeah. your list. No, but my my point being is that he's like he's doing good at Oregon State. He's riding along, he's doing fine, he's blah blah blah. Then he leaves, and it's just like an utter disaster. So maybe you're just better off just sticking in the program where people love you. It's fine. Uh, that might I don't know. That might be that might be Mike Matt Campbell. Who knows? He might. But I feel us, like but... that's easier when you have ties to the school, like a Kirk Ferentz at Iowa. Yeah, but uh, again, so we we just don't know what it is that Matt Campbell's waiting for. That's yeah. the interesting part. I, I, I would love to know. He, the... He's he's from I think he's an, an Ohio guy, so it's not like he has necessarily Southern or West Coast roots. That doesn't completely matter. I, again, three of the four things you need. You don't need yeah. all four. Now, the two that I think intrigue me the most at this point are Luke Fickle and Tony Elliott. Now, Luke Fickle is the obvious, obvious choice because of his connection to Mike Bone, because of his success at Cincinnati, because he has experience at a, at a, at a power program, longtime assistant of Jim Tressel. Um, he has experience under an elite head coach. Uh, he, he checks a lot of the boxes, but he's Ohio born and raised. He's never left the damn state of Ohio. So is he going to leave to come to Los Angeles? I mean, it's possible, but he might also look at it and say, I'm uh, Ohio is my home. I'm a Midwest dude. I'm just going to, you know, chill here. It's uh, it's possible, especially now being able to be a, a pow- technically a power five coach. I don't want to be fickle about li- linguistics, <laughs> but uh, dude and chill a little kind of L- L.A. OK, that's fair. Cab. I don't know that he'd exactly say that. OK, uh, like, t- you know. So Luke Fickle is where if I had to put my money on anybody, it's Luke Fickle. That's that's where I'm putting it. Well, and I think it would be a fine hire to do that because of the connection to Mike Bone. Yes. And, and it's it's so weird because it would be an upgrade. It would be a, a step up for him in terms of program. And yes. he knows Mike Bone. Mike Bone knows him. 
Like he'd have him on speed dial. It's Multiple be, be, be very seasons. simple. Yeah, yeah. It'd be very simple. It would be a good hire because again, and Cincinnati's doing well this season. Like the better Luke Fickle does at Cincinnati this year, the more money he's going to make when he moves to USC. So the, like the thing I love about Luke Fickle's story is that Tommy Tuberville took Cincinnati as a program that was built up by Brian Kelly and really, I feel like for the last 20 years, Cincinnati has sort of been the Midwest's version of Boise State. Mm-hmm. Maybe too, not not as popular, right? But, yeah. But like that kind of level where they've just been consistently one of the best G5 schools. Yes. But there was a downturn for a couple of years when Tommy Tuberville got hired and he absolutely trashed the program. So it proves that and like... Luke Fickle came in and turned it all around and it proves that you have to be somewhat good in order to make cincinnati good like it, it's right, not a program yeah. where you're just going to automatically have success because obviously yeah, tommy tuberville did, didn't yeah and like i said i i like that luke fickle didn't just inherit previous success. oh he didn't inherit not, brian kelly's success yeah. yeah he's not brian harson yes. from boise state who yes. walked into uh a, a turnkey yes yeah, absolutely. So I think Luke Fickle would be a worthy hire. I think he's the most likely hire. And and Dennis Dodd even tweeted, the job is uh, Luke Fickle's to turn down. So that seems very much to be the case. Yeah, there's one name that's, I mean, there's oh, hold, a lot hold, of names that are on all of these lists. Hold on, I have, I have one more thing to say. Okay, go ahead. Not about Luke Fickle. Tony Elliott. Yeah, hit me. Let, let's run through Tony Elliott. Tony Elliott is the offensive coordinator at Clemson. He was he's been uber successful working under Dabo Swinney. Uh, the, those offenses have been very good. He's up to date with all of the the schematic stuff. He does a very good job. He went to Clemson. He's coached at Clemson. How is USC going to get him out? He was born in California. He's a West Coast guy. And Bruce Feldman says he has turned down NFL interests, but he's interested in USC. So that is a very intriguing OC op- option uh, to to consider if you wanted to go after one of the elite OCs that are out there. The problem with Tony Elliott, has Dabo Swinney produced good head coaches? Does he have a coaching tree yet? I don't, I can't recall anybody who's from that coaching tree. How much of Clemson's success is Tony Elliott's, uh, d- does he get to claim Right. When you have Trevor Lawrence as your quarterback, like it's always a question. I, I think Venables, in that sense, I think it's more of a proven commodity because yes. Venables was a proven defensive coordinator before he got to Clemson. Yes, Tony Elliott's not that that guy, but that doesn't mean that he can't be that guy. He absolutely can yeah. be that guy. We just haven't seen him in a different setting. So, yeah, he he's a name I absolutely think that you should you should have in the list. But there's one other California guy, and I think you and I both agree on the name you're about to say. The one that no yeah. one is talking about. The one that no one is talking about among the media. I yeah. see a bunch of fans doing it, and it's the, the the guy I've been talking about for multiple years now that I think would be the guy who would be the absolute home run hire, Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy, who everyone seems to agree is due a head coaching job and in yet can't get a damn head coaching job yes. in the NFL. Yeah, and I and I want to know I want to know the full story. How much of it is, you know, the NFL is reluctant to give new guys a a, a job, a, a a new a new opportunity. How much of it is, you know. Does you he know. does he tank the well, you know, yes. Does he tank the uh the interview? 
partly because I can't imagine you know, that's the case. Well, but maybe he's not relatable to the old white men who are interviewing him every time he goes in. I don't. I don't know. It's entirely possible. I, uh, there's there's a lot of reasons why Eric Bieniemy might not be drawing the the interest, and a lot of it seems unfair. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but none of it makes sense. But let's run down Eric Bieniemy. If people don't know, he was the running backs coach at Colorado, the running backs coach at UCLA. Went to Bishop Amont. Went local to Bishop Amont. He was the offensive coordinator at Colorado, so he has Pac-12 experience. He's yes, familiar he with the West Coast West Coast. Uh, uh, recruiting scene knows how to recruit. Um, he knows how to recruit he understands the college game he's also worked under andy reed for a long time ties to the nfl ties to the nfl he is um i don't know like as I far feel like as he's the, in charge like at least you know <laughs> depending on who you read tweets from yeah people are like well he doesn't actually do anything it's andy reed that just calls every play eric the enemy is the and in name only the okay i don't I, 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 I spare me with that, by the way. Um, the fact is, he has all the, the college experience that we've talked about. Plus, he's literally working with the most iconic offense of the last 20 years in the sport. So, yeah. uh, like... You can, what is, can you imagine the recruiting, the recruiting speech that, that, that helps? And the ability to to break down the X's and O's, and you just watch the breakdowns of what the Chiefs are doing. Yes, the Chiefs are really good because Patrick Mahomes is a cheat code. Yeah, but but, like, but they can also imagine, find ways to get guys open. They use can, tight ends. Can, can they have you, the best tight end in the, in the league. Can you imagine what Eric Bieniemy could do with Jackson Dart if you wanted to just and Michael Trigg create? Yeah, and Michael Trigg just create. Gary Bryant Jr. Yeah, I mean it. it it seems to me that it that it uh, would be quite an exciting hire, uh, but uh, I'm just seeing a report. His players love him, like yeah. I'm seeing a report from USA Today from 2020 that he turned down the Colorado head coaching job. Yeah, I, I so it, I guess the question is, which is his alma mater, it, it, which is alma mater, but it's easy to turn down Colorado. Is it as easy to turn down USC, or is he really waiting for the head coaching opportunity? I think that's entirely possible. Yeah, I, I think. Well, I and think then okay, difficult. and then and then here's the other question that I have across the board with all of these head coaching hires: How soon do you want to make another head coaching hire? Because you could hire Eric Bieniemy; he could be gone for the NFL in in two years, three years. You could hire Luke Fickle, and he could be gone as soon as Ryan Day gets out at Ohio State. Like these are realities that USC also has to factor in. Um, but, uh, but to me, Eric Bieniemy is absolutely somebody you need to, you need to, can I, can I just talk to put a caveat in this? Hmm. If you hire someone else that is getting, you, you hire someone that gets hired away. That's not that the worst thing in the world. That just validate the whole yeah. experience. Yeah. And if the person gets hired away, then like, like, unless someone Lane Kiffin Kiffin's you like. Like he did to Tennessee. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which, or, who's going to do that to USC? Uh, Bo Davis. Okay, fine. <laughs> Not the same thing, but Cliff okay, Kingsbury. Um, no, like, unless that happens. If USC had hired Cliff Kingsbury as the head coach, I don't know that he... Oh, no, it was a head coaching opportunity. Whatever. But the 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 thing is, like, I... I I, if if you hire someone like you hire Eric Bieniemy and then he proves to be good enough that the NFL wants it, 
then that just proves he was the guy you should have hired. Well, I mean, A, it proves, and it proves that you do, you're doing your hiring. And it right. proves that your program is in a good spot. Like the next right. time you have a coaching like, opening, sucks, if, if your guy gets poached by an, by an NFL program, by an NFL franchise, because he's that good, then when you go about your next hire, you, you get your pick of the litter again. Because I mean, USC right now is not the desirable program that it could be a few right. years down the line. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. All right. Uh, we got a bunch of questions that we got. So let's get to the mailbag uh, and then we'll wrap this thing up. You've got mail. All right, Alicia, let's start with a voicemail we got from the 925 area code. excited about this news, but my question is, do you think this means that, at least from the USC leadership standpoint, they're just throwing the season away to make this move now so that, you know, when things don't go away, we lose more games this year. They're like, ah, oh, we don't have a head coach. And for the fans, just look forward to next year. Or do, you think that, do you think that having Dante as the new head coach is going to make some changes, at least within the next immediate future? Uh, yeah. Thanks for the call. Uh, I think actually waiting to make this firing would be more proof that they're throwing the season away. Because at a certain point, it would be very obvious that Clay Hilton isn't going to be retained. And then you're just, you know, drawing things out by getting rid of him now and bringing and, and pulling Dante Williams in to be the interim. You're giving this team a chance to rally in a way that I think they wouldn't have had before. I think you're giving the fan base a chance to rally in a way that they wouldn't have had before. I think you're setting yourself up to protect your recruiting opportunities in a way that you wouldn't be able to before. So I think more, I don't think it's throwing away the season. I think it's in a way saving the season to be something that is productive for the future and also for now. So I've gone back and forth on, on my thoughts about this. I originally thought that, you know, I, I mentioned in the car cast, why are you going to make the firing after week two? Just have it in your mind, but do it later. Now I'm coming around to the idea, not that I necessarily disagree in general, but more so, I think that SC is probably in a different boat in this situation than most midseason firings. In the sense that this team and is is not incapable. Well, remember, it's an easy schedule. Yes, it's an easy... <laughs> like, this team is still more than capable... From winning most, if not all, of their games, yeah. like the schedule is that is you know not not impenetrable that way. Uh, SC has plenty of talent. They absolutely, if they if they maximize their talent, they can they can they can run the table and, and do something crazy like that. Right? We've seen it before. Even when you don't think they will, they can do that sort of thing. So I think this is a different scenario than if this was a one and one team that got blown out and has no prospects. But this is an SC team that even when they're bad, they have prospects. So yeah, I think that you can look at it and say you're, you're salvaging the season from a business standpoint. Now you're salvaging the season based on people potentially buying tickets to that Oregon State game. I saw multiple people on, on Twitter and you know there were there were screenshots going around of people saying on, on Periscope from the Trojans Live thing about how they were excited now to go to the Oregon State game. They were going to buy tickets and all this stuff. I don't know how true that's going to end up being. I don't think that suddenly uh, SC that that 
is, is going to draw like 75,000. Like, I yeah. don't think that's going to happen. I'm not going to hold my breath. But um, there might be a little bit more buzz than there would be. or There definitely would be more buzz now than there would be the alternative. Alter- even though part of it will matter of what happens on Saturday against Washington State. If they if that's a snooze fest of a game and SC sleepwalks their way to getting trounced by a really bad Washington State team, then yeah, then the season's over and and the like. But if they can rally, then it's it's a little bit of lifeblood to uh to go forward. So we'll we'll see how it goes. I I don't think that this is throwing the season away, but I can understand why you might think it because I've thought it for sure. Uh, let's go to a voicemail we got from Frank in Arizona. Hey, this is Frank from Arizona. Sitting here watching Paul Farmer's show and just seeing the breaking news. I'm excited. Oh, man. Now the search begins. Where do we go? We got to go east. Go get Brent Venables from Clemson. Defensive-minded, get him now before Saban retire and Dabo takes over at Alabama and Clemson promote him to head coach. We need Coach Venables. Thank you, and fight on. Thanks for the call, Frank. What do you think, Alicia? Brent Venables? Frank, I would take Brent Venables in a heartbeat. Abso-freaking-lutely. Checks three of the boxes. He, uh, I, I think he of all, the, of all the coordinator options that USC has, he's probably the best of the bunch. Um, and one of the things that I find very interesting about the presumptive uh, coaching candidate list, not a lot of defensive-minded guys on there. So I wouldn't mind a defensive-minded head coach. Do I think that Brett Venable is going to come to USC? No, sadly, I don't. Uh, the dude is hanging on to Clemson. I don't know if he's hanging on to, to take over for Dabo, Dabo. I don't know if he's just waiting for the right opportunity. I don't know his aspirations. I don't know what his aspirations are. I don't like. He just doesn't. Uh, if he wanted a head coaching job, I think he'd, he he they're they're already been out there. So I have. I'm just. I would love it to happen. It just doesn't seem like it's in the cards. He he hasn't shown interest uh, before. So uh, sign me up yesterday for Brent Venables. I just, I don't know how realistic it is. Here's another one. Dave Aranda, what do you think? Um, Just took the job at Baylor. So you'd have to, he'd have to be willing to, to Lane Kiffin it. Yes. Um, well, he would have had two years at Baylor. I yeah, you're right. Two years. I think that I would be very intrigued. I think that Dave Aranda at this point, he he might be in my tier two, like backup options. How's Baylor doing this year? I'm just double double checking. Okay, they had a 29-21 over Texas State and a 66-7 win over Texas Southern. So, um. 29-21 over Texas State isn't exactly... Last year they went 2-7. and seven, Although it was the worst possible year for somebody to take over a program. Yeah, so, so. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Either way, so it, it's a name let's, and we know he has LA connection. Let's put a pin in Dave Aranda until... Yeah, like Dave, Dave Aranda is the, is the one that you sort of... You don't hire Dave Aranda in September. You hire him in the beginning of December after he's done a very good job with Baylor. All right, let's go to a voicemail we got from Lamont, who wants to talk about Dante Williams. Hi, Michael and Alicia. This is for the rant line or the podcast. I'm ecstatic with the decision USC made. I'm really excited to see what Dante Williams could do, because if he can win at least eight, nine games, I believe you hold on to him just because of his recruiting prowess. You can bring in better talent. 
but we'll have to see. If he gets everybody on the same page and rein in Graham Harold, this is a great move. Love to hear your thoughts. Lamont from Marietta, Georgia, final. Thanks for the call, Lamont. I, I'm intrigued about Dante Williams to see what happens. I, he's not someone that I pegged as a head coaching candidate because we just haven't heard much about it. But I want to see if, A, is that in his aspirations? B, is he able to put together a, a resume in these, these final games that proves it so? At the same point... I am extremely apprehensive about all interims. I, I know that Philip Fulmer and Davo Sweeney were interims that worked out and won national champions championships. Um, I, I, I guess you can add Ed Ogeron onto that list, even though, again, we've talked about that. I, you yeah. know my feelings. Yeah. Uh, the, the point is, I, it would it would take a lot for me to be convinced. With Dante, like a lot, so like here's... a lot, a lot, and and I understand the recruiting thing. I really do. I think that he is someone that, in ideally, you'd want him on your staff. But here's the point: if your hope is to build SD as the national championship program, then whoever that coach is is going to recruit at a Bafo level, like full stop. Yeah, USC recruits itself when you are winning. And as good as Dante Williams is, I don't know that you need Dante Williams to recruit Dante Williams-type guys if you're winning big. So if you truly get the guy who's going to succeed, that's going to be taken care of, and you don't need to get the guy who is max value in the recruiting aspect and maybe is missing some of the other check marks. And in this case with Dante Williams... With things like experience, not only at the head coaching he's level, but you've never been a coordinator. So yeah. that makes it a little tough for me. Um, in an ideal world, you, you want him on your staff, but he he at this point, he's in the Ed Ogeron camp for me of he's the guy that I absolutely would want as a position coach, but you need to either, I, I want to see you as a coordinator first to be to consider moving forward as a, as a head coach. But Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. Yeah, I, it's really the, he's too young in his coaching experience right now uh, to, to promote up to that level. Uh, also, my misgivings about coordinate, I mean, about um, interims is, you know, Clay Hilton was a problem, but also, you know, the staff failed against Stanford too. The staff has failed against Oregon and, and other teams in the past. The biggest thing at this point is I I think USC needs a clean break and a fresh start from scratch. And the only name I would exclude from that you need a fresh start is Dante Williams for the recruiting, just not as head coach. I would keep Dante Williams around as a cornerbacks coach. I would, uh, I would certainly um, give the new head coach uh, the option of, hey, don't you want this this really really good recruiter and give that opportunity but uh, but it's it, got to be the decision of that coach but if you hire Dante Williams as, as your permanent yes it has to be the decision of that coach absolutely i just can't imagine there are many head coaches out there who are like no i don't want dante williams well, recruiting unless they five have star their corners own guy to me already. well if they have their own guy then they have their own guy that's another question but uh but but the the point is that 
if you hire Dante Williams as your head coach, well, is he going to make massive changes? Um, you know, I think maybe he changes the the offense. Maybe he goes out and finds a, a coordinator, an offensive coordinator, and, and fixes it that way. But so I I but you're still probably I'm not advocating a lot of for holdovers. Dante Williams. But where I will say, I think that the would he make changes thing kind of doesn't jive with with Dante Williams is that Dante Williams isn't one of the Texas boys. Right. He came completely separately than anybody else. Yes. He has carved his own path. He has his own Rolodex. He is not one of the Texas guys. He is not tied to Todd Orlando. He is not tied to Graham Harrell. So in in the fantasy that you could put together in which SC wins the next 11 games and Dante Williams becomes the the, the head coach, like I still think that okay. he'd, he'd be making his own staff hire. But again, okay. who's the, this who's, is this is an entire like right. But who, who's the offensive and defensive coordinator who want to come work for Dante Williams, who's way too early on in his coaching career to be a head coach, naturally? I don't know. Like, I mean, Dante Williams, at the end of this, if USC installed Sean Snyder as the interim head coach, Dante Williams is not getting any head coaching buzz. Like, except for being the interim right now. Dante Williams would not be on right. the head coaching uh, uh, radar. So, like, that's the biggest hurdle here is he's it's too early. If you if you have to lose Dante Williams. You have to lose Dante Williams if he needs to go get hired by a G5 school or by somebody else as a coordinator. But you are making a good hire at head coach, then you have to do that, like. Again, like you said, Dante Williams is extremely valuable, but he's not the end-all and be-all. There are a lot of good recruiters out there, and even if he goes, you know, even if he wins eight, nine games, we talked before the season that Clay Helton should win eight, nine games. So he's got to do more than that. Like, the only way I consider Dante Williams, he runs the table, wins the Pac-12, and goes to the playoff. Yeah, and... Gets the eye test. Was it the same thing yeah. we talked about? With Actually, Cahill? that's a very Gets good point. Test. Win the eye test, and then we'll have this conversation. Uh, let's go to a call we got from Marshall. Hey, guys. This is Marshall over in Ocean Springs, Mississippi. Uh, roots of Southern California, so I've been a SC fan my whole life. Uh, thoughts? Well, this is well overdue, obviously. Um, and I am very surprised that Mike Bone pulled the trigger after uh, the second game, which leads me to believe that I don't think he wants to screw this up. So aside from the typical question of who do we think this is going to be, um, my other question is how do you think the early signing day affected this with recruiting? And do you think that recruiting gets back on track um, now that new leadership is at the realm? Let's see you guys. Love you guys. Thanks for the call, Marshall. And I just really wanted to say just across the board, I love how many – People who call into the rant line are, are out of state or not in California. It's be, it's because you don't have anyone else to talk to. Yeah, and I I like I love that we're that we have that like. That's why I listen to so many F one podcasts. I don't have more F one people to talk to, talk to in to. my life. Yeah. yeah, it's just I love that connection. I love that we're able to connect people from you know it's, who it's, are disconnected. It's awesome, yeah. yeah, it's it's great. Uh, but to get to Marshall's question, I think the early signing period has a huge impact here. Um, you need to make this hire quick. You can't wait. You Like the last day of the season, that first week of December, you need to have somebody pen to paper ready to go so they have two solid weeks 
of uh, of being able to to get their ducks in order and at the very either get guys to sign or at the very least convince the big fish hey hold up and wait let's have it let's have Jet a conversation <laughs> f-i-s-h not no c in there um the the other thing too is that um there's there's an argument even without the early signing day, but I think it's even more relevant because everyone's in a rush to get their coaching. Everyone is either in a rush to get their coaching, coaching hires done if they had to make the change early or they're going to delay until after, you know, until later on so that they don't have to uh, tank their recruiting classes until guys have signed, which is, again, the worst part about the early signing day is is that practice that happens now, too. Yeah, I, I think but, the early signing day thing is is difficult in general, and it's going to be super hard to navigate. This is another reason why Dante Williams is a great pick. Yes, to just keep he can keep, keep a voice. Yeah, keep recruiting. We, we saw it with that Ogeron in 2013. Yeah, he could just keep recruiting and and, and all that stuff. And, yeah, and and parlay everything forward. Yeah, so that's going to be a, a big part of it. But, but the other the other thing is just really quick is the idea that USC gets first choice now. Like they get they get to start talking to people first. They get to start being in contact with agents first. They get to start working out who is and isn't interested. They they get to have conversation. You know, they get to do all these things. Where if they if they waited, you know, there there's gonna there's gonna be a frenzy too. And USC's gonna have their can, hopefully have their their hand out and ready to to shake some hands early on. Can I pee in your Cheerios? No, please don't. Like, that argument was what we said in 2015. It's what we said in 2013. Yeah. And I understand that part of it was, you know, uh, Pat Hayden um, just botched those hires. And yeah. I think we both but, have but, more but faith. Pat Hayden botched those hires. That's that's the issue. <laughs> we we both have more faith. Pat Hayden had a search firm, firm yeah. and botched the hires. That's... But, by the way, a lot of people love to poke on the search firm. The search search firm is like ninety nine percent for logistics and like paperwork. Yeah, I I don't, I don't mind it. Yeah, I don't mind the search firm. I don't think it's a big firm, but like my my point is better to do it now than to wait until the end of the season and then have two days to talk to people instead. of Sure, but even if you were doing my thing is no, I have a a bunch of of faith in Mike Bowen and Brandon Sauce and none of those guys. But if they made the move at the end of the season, they still could have done all those things. Anyways, and any other school that gets rid of their coach at the end of the season can still do those things all season long. If James Franklin has a terrible season and he gets fired for whatever reason and they want to pay out their buyout, Penn State is going to have the ability to put out their feelers all season long, no matter what. So I think it's just a little presumptive to to be like, well, oh, they have so much time now, and they're going to be ahead in the queue of all these things. Like, I don't think that's exactly how it works. Well, what they, makes they SC? A, you know what makes SC ahead of the queue of other schools? Being SC. Well, yeah, having SC's pocketbook. That's what puts SC ahead of the queue. Whether it was now or whether it was later, they were always going to have. Should be if you're USC and you act like USC, you're going to have the pick of the litter. Now, act like USC and get the pick of the litter. I don't know that the timing was a complete prerequisite, unless the only thing I can think of that would have prevented this is if you waited until, like, after the bowl game. If you waited until after the bowl game and shot your foot that way, yeah, then you've shoehorned your way into getting whoever didn't get hired in this this coaching cycle or getting an NFL guy. But 
in this case, they can get anybody, but still, the way it is now, they can't hire anyone until the season ends. Right. Unless it's someone who doesn't have a job currently. Right. But, like, if, if, if Brett Venables needed to be convinced, you have time to convince him as opposed to... Or Bob Stoops to be convinced, then... You think Brent Venables is going to do an interview tomorrow? No, I don't think there's... The, there's Okay, if Brent Venables' agent needed to be convinced. You know, like, the, 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 the back channels and all that kind of stuff happen. You could have called him anyways. Would you, though? If it... Would I would, you know I would that, trust Mike Bone and Brandon Sauston to do that way more than I would... No, no, no. No, no, no. What I'm saying is, like, Based would, on what we've seen. would you risk that getting out? Um... I wouldn't want to risk that getting out. Okay. I'm just I'm just saying I think your your shackles are off if you, if you've made the change. And we've already said there's a lot of reasons why USC made the change. They didn't make the change so they could be front of the queue. But now that you've made the change, everyone's looking at USC as a potential option before everybody else. Sure. And, and so a like, lot of people are going to get super paid because of this. Yes. Yeah. 100%. But all right, uh, next question. Uh, let's go to a voicemail we got from Michael in uh, Iowa. Hey, guys, it's Michael in Iowa, second message. I uh, just listened to your podcast. That is one of the most <laughs> disjointed podcasts I've ever heard, but it was pretty funny, especially the uh, sound effects. It sounded like you were recording on my old uh, reel-to-reel tape recorder with the squealing and stuff going on in the background. But... Uh, Anyway, I think I have to disagree with Alicia on this one. I think Mike Bone uh, has somebody lined up, um, and he may have to wait till after the season to put it in place. But I get the impression he's a very smart guy, and he wouldn't take an action um, as precipitate as letting um, Clay Helton go without having some sort of a plan in the, in the works. And maybe it's Dante Williams. I don't know. But anyway... Uh, we'll see what happens. You guys hang in there and take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for the call, Michael. That reaction pod is one of the most grateful things. For- that, fortuitous. Yeah, fortuitous. Thank you. That we've ever had on the pod. We we recorded it in an earthquake once. Yeah, that was fun. And I think this kind of topped it. And listening back, your reaction so much better than mine. Mine was just like, I knew we were recording, so I'm like trying to like maintain focus and record and and you're just like oh my god (laughs) and and then we had the audio issues which sucked and we couldn't stop and fix it because all hell was breaking loose we couldn't just uh uh, mend those things yeah and i i what i think happened is that when i have garage band open and then i open another window over the top of it it kind of freaks out and i was opening a lot of other windows because i was in slack having to ping my boss and go oh my gosh like stuff's going on we're tri- figuring it out and blah, blah blah and finding the statement and blah, blah blah like the whole thing it was just chaotic it was very chaotic for me in that moment uh but it was <laughs> but it was fun i've listened to it back and it just keeps making me laugh uh over and over and over again so yeah that was that was a lot of fun um as for the pl- i agree that mike bone has someone in mind uh might even have a handshake deal already in place. Anyone other than Bob Stoops, I don't think you can possibly hire before the end of the season. So it, it's definitely going to have to wait. But uh, I think it's I think it's hard to have a deal done and dusted this early 
And I don't think you have to fire Helton with 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 a deal done and dusted. I think if you're Mike Bone, you can sit there and go like, we're going to fire Helton, we're going to hire Luke Fickle, and we're going to get that done over the next few months, but not have the word of Luke Fickle in place yet, you know? Like, it doesn't have to be official. It can yeah. be, this is our plan. Well, there's anyone you would think that he'd have the ability to have that sort of wink, wink, nudge, nudge with. Mm-hmm. It would be Fickle or anyone that's currently on the staff. I am- yeah. I can't imagine that would be the case. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Y- y- but you could also, maybe for all we know, maybe he heard from Bob Stoops. Or he's just season. dead set on Fickle and doesn't need the wink, wink, nudge, yeah. nudge. It could yeah. be anything. Either way, like I said, I well, I, you I got think the feel. You got. I mean, looking back now on on the hiring of uh, of Steve Sarkeesian, you sort of got the feeling that Pat Hayden was set on Steve Sarkeesian as well when he made the Kiffin hire. It makes it a lot easier to pull the trigger when you which have your guy. Is another reason not to buy into the well. They they're going to be first in the in the queue, and yeah. like I, I well, they might want to be first in the queue for Luke Luke Fickle because there might be a queue for Luke Fickle. Yeah, but they're first in the queue for Luke Fickle because Mike Bone has an immediate connection to him. Yeah. And SC is SC. Yeah. Yeah. They're not going to get beat out by Colorado State to Luke Fickle. You know what I'm saying? It'd be interesting if, like, Ryan Day falls flat on his face and Ohio State goes crazy. Mm. That'd be fun. We'll see. Uh, We got a bunch of tweets, so let's run through these rapid fire and then end uh, this episode uh, since we've been the second full episode that we've recorded today. Uh, so here we go. Uh, question from our guy, Brandon Genos. Uh, did the stuff you saw in practice that you weren't allowed to talk about match the stuff you saw in games, mainly looking from a formation and personal thing, split ends, little rotation in the first team wide receivers, complacency between reps, etc. Well, it's so hard to say just because practice is formulaic. So... They're practicing red zone stuff, so you just see the red zone stuff. They're practicing this day. They're practicing third down, so all of it is third down plays. That you know, we always in practice would see more of the tight ends, more of that one slot receiver that every uh, quarterback would hook on during uh, practice, and then he wouldn't get any run in the games. So I feel like there were dozens of slot receivers that were just sort of in that role over the years. Way more of the tight ends because there were plays designed to go to the tight ends and it's easier to go to them in in a practice setting. So um, especially when you're going up against the defense that is not necessarily lined up to to stop you because it's scout team or because it's whatever. Uh, So, I mean, I I guess to a point you could say that, but not to not to a degree that would have worried you that like this is something that USC is doing wrong from practice to games. I don't know if you have a different perspective on that, but. No, I, I, can't, I can't speak to the specifics. One, because you went to practice way more than me. And B, we just can't talk about the specifics yeah. of specific things. But yeah, I, I would say the other thing in regards to practice, Clayton talked about it was the best week of practice they'd had like maybe all year since Camp Brook uh, before Stanford. Uh, Ryan, Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com echoed that. Uh, he had sources that he said echoed that. And you go back to, uh, was it was a 2017, after the blowout loss to Notre Dame, everyone thought SC was dead to rights. And they had an awful week of practice. Oh my gosh. Right? It was the worst week of practice. It was the, the, the tenor of practice was so bad. That was ahead of the ASU game, right? Yeah. And then they blow it out ASU. It was so bad. It was, it was awful. 
and then they blow out ASU. Yeah. So I guess my point is practice is so hard to get any sort of a practice. read from in general. Yeah. I I I I hmm. yeah. it, it's hard to talk about, you know, definitive things when you look at when you look at it that way. Uh we got our question from Fair Play Clown. Uh what coach sounds better for USC, Matt Campbell or PJ Fleck? Um Give me, me Matt, Matt Campbell. Give me Matt Campbell. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like Matt Campbell. He's he's he's, he's renowned for developing players. That's yeah. I think that's an, a thing that I would be very excited to see. To, to both their credit, they both took over the Mac. Uh, PJ Fleck, mm-hmm. I think, was a little more successful in the Mac. Um, you know, had that, that perfect season, then they went to the Cotton Bowl with, with Corey Davis and all that. But, yeah, give me Matt Campbell. I, I, I just like Matt Campbell more. I just I can't tell you why. I just do. Uh, Seahawks Joe says, Do you think this is the end of the Graham Harrell era at USC? The air raid doesn't honestly seem to be working as an offensive scheme. It doesn't even feel like an air raid anymore. It hasn't worked since we had an NFL-level receiving core. I don't think that it's just the NFL-level receiving core that's the issue. I think that's certainly a part of it. I think it's easier to to have USC's offense when you force teams to double and triple team guys because you have Michael Pittman, Tyler Vons, and Amon Ross St. Brown uh, and Drake London all in the field at the same time, and you force them to pick their poison. Yes, absolutely, it helps to have that talent, and it's going to force someone to get open because they've doubled or triple teamed somebody, and then the numbers just are there that someone's going to be open. That said, I think SC's problem is way beyond just not having the NFL talent. If you were relying on the NFL talent to force those mismatches, and that's the reason that you're winning, then it's not truly your scheme that's winning you the games, is it? Well, and the whole point of the air raid is you don't have to have NFL talent. That's that's the whole point. Teams that run the air raid do so because they have a talent disadvantage and it evens the playing field. So, like, yeah, I the the, the USC's problems are because they're uh, more so that because they are not running an air raid, they are running gumbo. And uh, and and also it's year three and there's a lot of tape on this offense. And I don't think USC is changed what they do enough. SC has not done enough to be undone by the same thing that always undones undoes. Undones them. Undoes them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh what BYU put on tape? Um still works. Still works, yep. Today. Yeah. Uh Jesse Peter says, of course, who do you want to uh be the next coach? But if the team well does well with Dante, do you think we should keep him unlike we did with Ogeron? If if Dante does well, I think we need to let him keep the job. Don't let history repeat themselves repeat itself. Uh, Jesse, I just want to throw this out there. The don't let history repeat itself with it's that Ogeron t- thing is probably what Pat Hayden had in his mind when he hired Clay Helton. Yes. Probably what, like, that's the that's the main argument to hire Clay Helton is because you didn't hire Ed Ogeron and you went for Sark and Sark failed because he ended up being an alcoholic. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, like I said... You hire Dante Williams as your head coach if he go if he goes undefeated, takes you to the Pac-12 title game, wins the Pac-12 title game, and goes to the playoff. Like that's how you that's how Dante Williams keeps the job. It, it's a lot uh, for me. Luke Fickle. Troy says, "Who slash win broke the news to the team and the coaches, and was Clay allowed to address them? What was the overall reaction?" 
I don't know. Do, do you know? Did you, did you see that? I know there, there was a team meeting. So Dante there, Williams said he found out around the time of the team meeting. Dante Williams got pulled into the office with Mike Bone and Brandon Sosna and Carol Folt, and they told him that they were going to make him the interim coach. So we know how he found out. Apparently, the team found out in a team meeting. No. Which is good that they didn't find out on Twitter. Yes. I know people love to hate that kind of stuff, by the way. And I understand why. But also, knowing how media works and knowing how sources work, it's almost impossible to avoid it. Yes. It's almost but, impossible. But when you do, like... But SC did this stealthily enough that, that they did. As a, as a Liverpool fan, I'm just going to use a, a slight thing. Liverpool transfer business over the years got leaked left and right constantly. And then they, they you know, changed management and all that kind of stuff. And suddenly the leaks stopped. And it's like... That's a sign of an organization that sort of has itself under control and you don't have things leaking out left and right. So the fact that you were able to fire your head coach without it leaking first, does it mean much? No. But does it mean nothing? Eh, to me, it's a good sign. It's a good sign that you don't have this kind of crap coming out before you want it to come out. It means that people are, are not speaking when they shouldn't be speaking. No one asked, but I just scrolled through here really quick. Nobody asked, but what does this mean for Liverpool and the transference? Uh, well, Harvey Elliott just broke his leg on Sunday, so oh, so that was that it? It might be it. Wow. Yeah the 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 youngest player that Liverpool is super excited about. Uh, he's the one with the bad hair, right? He's the one with the bad hair. His hair is better than it was, but he had very bad hair for a little while. Who was basically going to take over for Jeannie Wijnaldum, who they let go. Who they let walk away? Uh, they're they're basically their backup plan for that was Harvey Elliott, this wonder kid, and he literally had his ankle snapped in half, and it was turned the wrong way. So like that might be the transference thing, but things can always get worse for Liverpool. So we'll see. But by the way, Genie Wijnaldum, if you defend him all game long and lock him up, would you say that you put the genie in the bottle? All right, uh, moving on. Uh, Daniel Cohen says, what immediate and feasible changes do you think Williams can implement that will help the team? Uh, providing a voice that isn't Clay Helton's and providing a... Just hitting the reset button, even if it means that not much changes, I think that just being a different voice in of itself changes. In terms of big changes, I don't know what there is that we could see just yet. Dante Williams didn't necessarily have uh, an answer to that. Uh, not that he should have, but it, it's not like there was a plan that he he put out there on Monday night. No. Well, so you're not going to see like structural changes, but I think it's possible that the different voice thing could just be, he could just hold people to a higher standard. Like it could just be simple as that. And I don't know if he's, if that's what he do. I don't know if that's what he's capable of, but. That's also what, you know, the, the, the biggest thing could just be holding everyone to a higher standard, you know? So de demanding more of the team. But part of the problem with Clay Helton was he was almost too nice guy. He he did say that they, they got to eliminate stupid mistakes and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, and he so. literally called them stupid mistakes. He said yeah. it a lot. Can I, can I just give a little, uh, a, a slight little rant here? Hmm. I know people love to say that Clay Elton never took the blame for anything. I, I just I just want to put this out there. What a coach says in the media is not necessarily what they do or say 
behind the scenes. I don't have any inside information here. I'm not saying that Clay Helton went into meetings and and said, you know what, this is all my fault. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, just because something is said in a press conference doesn't mean it is exactly how everything is all the time. Uh, and people were very upset that Clay Helton never blamed himself in press conferences. Uh, and yet here we were with Dante Williams on Monday night, and he had some catnip for SE Twitter when he said that we're going to eliminate the stupid mistakes and we're not going to make dumb penalties and we're going to make sure that we, we, we knock all that off. And I know that that is music to people's ears and rightfully so. Like I get it. I thoroughly understand, but some coaches just word things differently and might mean the same thing. So what people say in a press conference and what they do are different things. That's all I'm saying. I'm not caping for anyone. Yeah, the problem for Hilton was just it was year six. We'd yeah, heard the, that the problem before. wasn't that he didn't take blame. The problem was oh. that he lost games. Yeah, yeah. It, it's always the lo- winning, the losing that matters. It's not. It's yeah. not what you're saying in press conferences. Exactly. Uh, next one, Zany SC. We're one on one. How do you think the rest of the season will play out and the bowl game, if any? Uh, I'm going to stick to my predictions. SC is SC. They're going to do what they were always going to do. I think you're right. I think this team is probably headed still for a 9-3 and three record. All right, PJ, what's the earliest in the season for USC to fire their head coach? Is this it? Can you think of any other notable this early in the season firing firings in college football history? There's got to uh, be. Randy Edsel. <laughs> just retired. Retired after one game and then. Yeah, but, but a firing? Well, no, well, because Randy Edsel said, I'm going to retire at the end of the season. And then UConn turned around and was like, no, you're going to retire now. So, eh, after week one, he was going to stick right. around to the season and UConn told him no. So, like, that's that's probably the closest I can think of. Yeah, there's got to be uh, a thing. There's, first of all, there's got to be, like, a problematic reason that, that someone yeah. got fired oh, yeah, for, yeah, yeah. For, for cause. Uh, I just can't think of it off the top of my head. But, yeah, this would be the easiest, the earliest that SC has gotten rid of somebody like this. Uh, next one comes from uh, Huka Doncic. Is Pete coming home? No. Pete Carroll's not coming home. He was asked about uh, USC interests, and he said, when they haven't called me and B, I don't want that. I'm happy here. So, Yeah, I, I wouldn't hold my breath. Uh, Jonathan says, does USC run the table this season? Uh, I also would not hold my breath on that. No. Yeah. No, I think USC's still going to lose to Notre Dame. I think USC could lose to UCLA. USC could lose to ASU. I I, I think USC will still lose at least two, two, if not three games down the line. Yeah. All right. That's going to wrap this thing up. Thanks for listening as always. Thanks for the rants. Thanks for all the calls. Uh, everything that uh, we've gotten from you guys has been awesome. You guys are the best. Um, oh, wait, wait a minute. We got, we got a text message. Uh, a text message from the 818 that says euphoria doesn't describe it. Yeah. Yeah. That's hey, what my, 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 uh, my neck of the woods, the 818. Okay. Can I tell you something? As a kid, always heard about the 818 and I always assumed it was like a toll free number. Oh, huh. That's funny. Like the yeah. 800s are, yeah. I was, 1800 is toll free. So I thought all of the eights were toll oh, free. No, 818. Born and raised. I thought if something was 818, it was just another one of those things. 
At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.